0: What's up, my name is David Rule and welcome to Rule the World. It's a podcast where we discuss travel, photography, social media, and anything else a stupid brain of mine can come up with. Today, I'm here with dog dad, net Cinematographer, and the guy responsible for my trip to Dan Bilzerian's mansion, Trevor Adler.
1: Hey, what's up David, how's it going?
0: Pretty good. So are you in San Diego right now?
1: I'm currently in San Diego on lockdown kind
0: of. Oh man, yeah, that <laughs> probably really sucks right now in like Southern California with all that.
1: Um it's not as bad as San Diego as it is in LA. I think they just got the uh the extended lockdown um or stay at home order for I think until August or something like that. It hasn't been as bad here. Uh, they've been letting us go to the beaches and that kind of stuff and which has been really cool because as you may have seen, we've got the real strong bioluminescence happening oh, right now. Oh yeah. So I've been going out and uh, and shooting that late at night for the last couple of weeks, which has been yeah, a lot of fun.
0: that looks so sick.
1: Oh, I think you'd love it. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I know Trevor um, because a long, long, long time ago, when I actually it was only like I don't know two years ago, but <laughs> like two years ago, I only had like I don't know one two thousand followers on Insta, and then one day I just noticed this dude follows me, and I go look at it, and it says like net geo cinematographer and i'm just like what and that geo dude just started following me and i was like no way so i yeah i followed you back and uh we chatted for a little bit and then uh last january i was in san diego which is where he's from and i remembered him and i was just like oh dude are you around san diego we should go explore check out some cliffs go shoot some stuff you're free to hang and you were like oh man I'd love to I actually have to work tomorrow and then I was like oh and you were like you know actually I need a production assistant I I, I could use someone to help me if if you want to like come do that with me you're more than welcome to it's in LA and I was like cool what are we doing and then next thing I know we're like rolling into Dan Bilzerian's mansion to go shoot all this <laughs> stuff and I'm just like oh okay
1: <laughs> my favorite part about that whole thing was uh I said, yeah, so I was looking for a production assistant. We had just started a new series called the Ignite House, which is a YouTube channel that we were doing um, through Twitch. It was also a Twitch channel, which uh, no longer exists, but I mean, it exists online. You can watch it. We've got hours of content up there, um, but we were just starting it and I, they hired me to run the whole thing, to build a crew, to direct it. And I was short um, a production assistant or a PA. And I think you said you were in that area. And so I said, why don't you just come down and hang out? But my favorite part was, I said, do you know who Dan Bilzerian is? And you're like, no, I've got no idea. (laughs) And and, And I go, oh, man, I go, and you've never been to L.A.? And you said, no, I go, well, I'll show you a side of L.A. that you probably won't get to see in a long time or in a million years otherwise and uh and as soon as you went there i think you posted that that you were at down dan bilzerian's house in your stories and you were like dude my dms are blowing up (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was so
0: funny like because i mean you know i i really just had no idea who he was but then I looked him up on insta and you know he had like 30 million followers I'm just like oh right. okay I guess this guy's a big deal so yeah I just post a story I was there and like literally every one of my friends I've like ever known is just like dude what the heck like how'd you get in Dan's house like what are you doing and then those stories yeah last January I had like about 10,000 followers and I think those stories were getting like 20 to 30,000 views just because everyone was sending it to their friends and was like why is this guy I went to high school with at Dan Bilzerian's house and
1: yeah (laughs) it still blows my mind it still blows my mind how big he's become um, given the fact that I knew him before Instagram existed
0: yeah, that's and so, so crazy. Uh,
1: it it you know I, I knew him just as a poker player, a very wealthy poker player, mm-hmm. mind you, who lived a, a very you know opulent lifestyle. But to see what social media has done to people and 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 created you know celebrities, it's it's quite it's been quite interesting to say the least.
0: Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, we'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the pod. But yeah, first off, I just want to kind of hear your life story like you know how'd you get into filmmaking
1: all that my life story okay so in a hospital in 1982 called mercy in san diego no um so yeah as far as filmmaking goes um i won't bore you guys with the entire life story but um but how i got into filmmaking um so i always had an interest in filmmaking um i've only been doing it professionally for about 10 years now, or at least making money, I'd say, Um, 10 years. I think it took a couple of years before I made it my full-time career. But um, before that, you know, I grew up watching a lot of skate videos. I was very into the X Games and action sports world, snowboarding and skating and all that kind of stuff. And so we always filmed each other skating and snowboarding. And I grew up doing that ever since I was a teenager. And making little videos and putting them out. And, you know, our friends and stuff like that loved it. And, um, and I actually moved to Northern California to the Tahoe area to, in my mind, become a professional snowboarder, which <laughs> was a bit of a pipe dream. Um, but, you know, I gave it a go and me and a few other guys were, were just working on getting as good as we can as fast as we could and then documenting it. And I kept hurting myself. So I dislocated my shoulder a few times, concussion broke my collarbone, and because we all were always trading off the camera, I when I was hurt, just tended to ride and film and every and you know everybody kept wanting me to film because I just you know my shots were coming out better than than the other guys, and that wasn't because I was necessarily more talented. it was just because I was actually putting more effort and time into making better shots and and so I kind of noticed that. I was better behind the camera than in front of the camera in terms of I didn't like getting hurt and I really started to enjoy uh, filming. And so um, when I came back to San Diego, um, I got I I re-enrolled in college and started a film program, uh, went to state and pursued filmmaking and uh, and then kind of fell out of um the filmmaking program i was like a semester away from graduating but i started to make money doing of all things real estate um because i got my real estate license while i was in school and then i thought i was going to be this rich millionaire young guy and i didn't realize the real estate market you know was cyclical meaning you know it goes up and it goes down and so we hit a peak and then it 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 crashed and uh and i turned back to filmmaking and actually started to pursue making action sports films and so i started a company with my friends um, called never satisfied and we shot snowboard and surf films and i think we put out like three or four films total Um, but during that time um we gained a little notoriety from different sponsorships magazine companies and one magazine in particular started to they wanted to sponsor my my movie and so they started having me come out and and shoot events for them. And and I did it at free at first, just because I wanted to continue to foster that relationship and network. Um, And they really were loving the videos. And after a few, you know, after a half dozen or so um, I got busy again uh, with the film and that kind of stuff. And I just said, Hey, look, I can't, you know, I can't put forth the effort of driving up and, and shooting all night. And I got work to do. And they were like, okay, well, um, we really want you to keep doing this. I was like, well, I can't. And they're like, well, how about we pay you? And that was the first time I started making money, uh, doing, doing videography. Right. And so, um, after a while I, you know, was making a little bit of money and, and, and realized, okay, well, there's something to this. I'm making a little bit of money on the side here. And then I released my, my first film and then the the second and third films came out. And, uh, and I got to know a lot of people in the industry I thought I wanted to be in, which was action sports filmmaking. And I started to meet a lot of guys, some at the top level, some at the medium level. And the majority of them, you know, gave me a, a, a real hard dose of reality in terms of advice. And they said, look, if you really love this, you can do it, but you're probably not going to make more than, you know, 35000 $45,000 a year. Living in the mountains, shooting action sports films, um, and if 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 you wanted to go that independent action sports film route, and don't get me wrong, there are some amazing guys who are doing it for a living, making probably buku bucks. Uh, Brain Farm is a company that does amazing, amazing um, snowboard and action sports cinematography, but back then um, there that was very few and far between, and that was kind of a pipe dream. and And I just came to the realization I didn't want to be a snowboard bum, renting an apartment, barely getting by my whole life just to be able to be in an industry that I loved. Um, And some people do and some people like it, but I was very young and I was much too ambitious to settle on that as a goal early on in my life. And so I stepped away from action sports and went into... Um, The other side of media, which is kind of the more corporate nightlife event-based cinematography or or, or videography, if you will, documenting events and um, networking within those, uh, especially the nightlife world. I was doing a lot of nightlife videos, club promotions, that kind of stuff. Um, And I met different individuals, uh, one of which was a TV producer and a music video Um, producer, and I got his attention uh, with some help that I provided as a camera operator on a music video. And he then wanted to know if I was interested in doing work in the television industry. And so I started editing TV shows. Uh, I started editing uh, for his TV series, uh, which was called uh, like Destination X or something like that. Um, which was a, basically a travel series where you get a bunch of uh, good-looking people, uh, primarily women, to travel to these exotic locations and then to partake in, you know, uh, zip lining and, and paragliding and, and just doing very um, exciting type events in these exotic locations. And so um, I edited a bunch of episodes for, I think, the latter half of the first season or the second season that they were doing. And then the third season um, I stayed in touch with them and I gave them a lot of advice on different locations that I knew about. And they bumped me up into a producer, uh, role on that second season, kind of an associate producer and also offered me a camera opposition, which I was much more interested in. And so I took the camera op position and, uh, slowly, but surely I just made my way up the ladder. Um, that job introduced me to another camera op who, Uh, also did major motion picture stuff. And um, I stayed in touch with him. He lived in Hawaii, but came back. uh, He came to LA to shoot a a movie for Paramount Pictures and needed um, an assistant on that. And so I, that was my first taste of major motion pictures. Um, And then from there, um, you know, I met some other individuals and one job kind of rolls into the next. So that's how I got my start sorry if that was a very long-winded explanation uh
0: oh no it's totally good that, that sure you can edit great. that down oh you're I don't think I need to edit that down that was perfect but yeah no I feel you like with action sports that's really big around my area like right in, you know, Jackson, it's like, there's a million pro skiers here. There's all kinds of like ski filmmaker type people. Um, there's TGR here. So I'm like pretty well acquainted with the whole action sports industry. And yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're not going to be making a fortune doing that. Um, but if that is what you love, then do it. And if not do something else, it's kind of that way with me. Cause I mean, I feel like kind of from the beginning of this, my dream was to just, you know, become a full-time travel photographer and like Instagrammer and just go travel from country to country full-time and I don't care how much I'm making. I just want to be crazy and live this fun life. And I really have, you know, I really liked it and I love doing that. But yeah, now I'm starting to get a little bit more into stuff that will make money While also doing that on the side. Like I've been shooting a lot of real estate lately, which is really good around here, because like I mean Teton Real Teton County real estate is some of the most expensive real estate in the nation. (laughs) It's absolutely Absolutely. insane. I shot this fifteen million dollar property the other day. So there's a lot of money in that. I've been shooting some videos for just like local businesses and and then I'm getting into like photo licensing and yeah, I mean and then the other thing I like about your story is I feel like you hear so many stories from people where it's like oh yeah I started photography and like two years later I'm just a pro at it like making six figures doing great and your your story is a little bit more of like a slow burn scenario which I mean in general I think people relate to that a lot more
1: it, it was a slow burn it was it was an exploration and evolution into pat into what I was passionate about um and and you know it's it's one of those things where You know, if you love it enough and you get good enough at it, there'll be a market for it um, for most things. You know what I mean? And and don't get me wrong. Like, I totally agree with you. If you love something, like if you really love snowboarding, you really love action sports and and you love it enough, there's no reason why making forty five thousand dollars isn't okay. That's perfectly fine as long as you're comfortable with that lifestyle and you love what you're doing, I I would rather do that than make a million dollars doing something I was miserable doing. Oh, totally. That's like, Um,
0: that's like why I decided not to become a doctor is like, you know, I was on track. I graduated with like a neuroscience degree with a 4.0. Like I, you know, easily could have gone on to medical school, but I didn't just because I wouldn't be happy doing that. That just sounds miserable to me. I don't know why I thought, that was a good option in the first place. And I'm just having so much more fun and I feel so much more passionate about what I'm doing now. So,
1: and that's the thing about this industry is you can't imagine the places it'll take you. I mean, there are, this is an industry, at least from my, my uh, experience of, of high highs and low lows. I mean, The work comes in waves and it'll go away, especially in the beginning. There's some real lulls. And so you better love this industry if if you're gonna get into it, because it can be very tough at times. But at at other times, it'll take you places you couldn't imagine. I mean, Uh, I've been I've been in helicopters inside of active volcanoes to the Playboy Mansion to Eastern European, you know, penthouses with Victoria's Secret models and deep in the jungles, sweating profusely with all kinds of mosquito bites. And I would have never ever imagined I would have seen any of those things, let alone get paid to do those things um, before I got, you know, into this industry.
0: Oh, I absolutely feel you there. Like, yeah, two years ago, I was like in college just, you know, starting with camera and stuff and just thinking like, man, that'd be so cool if I could like make a little bit of cash going on, on like a little trip to Europe or something someday. And I I never would have imagined, you know, I'd be going and shooting with you at, like, Dan's mansion, then going on a trip (laughs) to Kenya with Lifestraw and going to Tulum, Mexico to help shoot stuff and then getting like a free trip to Cuba and Peru and getting a sponsored trip to Australia. And like, it's just like, this is overwhelming, but you're absolutely right. Like the lows really are low. Like, I think I was actually DMing you when this happened, but this last fall, I don't know what happened, but I just hit the biggest like slump and low in my career yet. Like I just started feeling so unmotivated and I, I felt like what I was doing was just Unoriginal, and I wasn't good at it, and I don't know. It just gets in your mind, but yeah, it's true. Like sometimes you feel like you're like flying, and you're on top of the world, and other times it just feels like, why am I doing this? Like I don't know. All my friends are like so stable, and that looks good right, right. now, and I don't know. But
1: yeah, it's no, true. It's- I think I think that's a very I think that's a very good point. Um, People tend to only see and hear about the best of what we do in the media industry. They hear about, you know, you going to Kenya and free trips to Cuba and Tulum and volcanoes and Playboy mansions from me. But what they don't hear about and what you don't see, in my opinion, that's probably very prolific with most media professionals is the severe lows, the unstable nature of our pay and our work. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be traveling to the most remote places and doing the most extreme things and then posting about it for the next, you know, month or year. If we've gone to enough places, we can, you know, scatter the different posts all over the place, uh, for a long period of time. But there may be months of no work, months of no pay months of depression months of, you know, like you said, feeling like your work's not original or hitting a mental block where you just can't seem to do anything. That's that 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 motivates you or keeps you inspired, um, and I think uh, I think that's a very common thing with a lot of people who do what we do, and I don't think it's talked about very often. So while on the surface it may seem like we've got the best jobs in the world, oftentimes people have no clue how how low the lows are, and even when we're doing the work, how difficult and exhausting and utterly. I mean, utterly ruining to our body and our minds while we're doing it.
0: I feel like on my Instagram stories, you know, I'm always posting stuff where I'm like, you know, sitting on a dock at Lago de Brais or I'm like just zip lining somewhere exotic or I'm swimming in the Caribbean. And you never Mm -hmm. I I never like post a story of myself staying up until like 4 a.m. in the morning, editing a video just like. Hey guys, here I am. I haven't slept in like 20 hours or I I don't post anything of like in Europe. I was just running everywhere in the Dolomites because I didn't have a car and I never right. post anything like, "Hey guys, sleeping in a cow trough tonight. #moo moo." Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know. Did it, you really like, Did you really sleep in a cow trough?
0: Yeah, so what happened was oh, uh shit. when I was in Europe last fall, um I was yeah, I was just like Running around everywhere, um, because you know I could have rented a car, but I was twenty one and it's like really expensive if you're, sure, like under twenty five. And then yeah, I just didn't want to spend the money on that. And I'm a marathon runner, so I was just like, you know, screw it. I'll just I have my backpack. I'll just run everywhere the Dolomites. And so just run
1: through Europe. No no big (laughs) deal.
0: Yeah, this one night, I just... uh, Well, I had a train pass, so I was taking trains, but the trains don't, like, go to, you know remote lakes in the Dolomites. So yeah, sure. I, this one night I ran, I think 12 miles to Lago de Braiz. And then on the way I was like, okay, I'm getting pretty close. I could wake up before sunrise. Um, I need a place to sleep. And I had my little mountaineering sleeping bag. I just threw it in this cow trough on the side of the road and just like slept there. <laughs> but
1: yeah, I mean, the we you know, you... the shots, the things we do to get the shots. And honestly, when it, when it comes down to it, the work that I end up with um, that I'm proud of that I had to grind super hard to get is the stuff that I remember and I appreciate the most.
0: Oh, totally. Like, honestly, that trip to Europe that t- I've been to 22 countries and that is by far my favorite trip I've done so far. Like that beats out anything. And like my Peru and Cuba trips, I was like with a company that was little more high class we were staying in nice places and I I just didn't like it as much like that I don't know I just love kind of having that grind but that's so off topic all right so moving forward I just want to talk a little bit about what advice you have for you know people who are starting out or people who are experienced so yeah you know for people who are listening to this and might just be thinking man that sounds really cool I might want to get into you know full-time filmmaking or production, that type of stuff. Like what advice do you have to those people?
1: Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's like, like kind of like what we were just talking about. There's a million different types of avenues, not, not a million, but there's hundreds of avenues in this industry, right? You can go the industry, the route that you went with photography and then starting to dabble into video and telling stories with social media um, looking for sponsorships, that kind of stuff. You can go the the major motion picture route, which I just you know briefly described. Um, you can specialize in one avenue, like say time lapse photography or drone cinema or aerial cinematography. So it, it, it I guess it all really depends on what you think you like doing the most, right? So you got to find the type of work um, that you want to do, and then Really, study the individuals who are doing it well um, and and work on it and and make sure that it's it's what you want to do and and then you know, once you've kind of figured out what it is that you want to do or, or which avenue you want to take, whether it's it's freelance or getting involved in a company or shooting real estate videos or whatever, and you kind of built up you want to try to build up a build up a body of work and you know, there's a lot of people who go to film school and I, you know, I, I, I really understand the value or I really appreciate the value of film school, but a lot of the people that I work with never went to film school. I, I've gone to a lot more film school than most of the people I work for in the industry. And so again, there's there's a lot of different routes, but I think finding something that you really enjoy doing and then figuring out the best way of getting good at it, building up a body of work um is kind of first and foremost and the latter part of that you know building up a body of work a lot of times you can do that on a job or you can do that while you're working with people but you know for me i did a lot of free work at first and there were advantages and disadvantages to that you know the the advantages were i i got to learn on the job and hone my skills while not having a ton of pressure on, on myself because I was getting paid and I needed to please the client. It was, I was doing them a favor, just showing up and shooting for them. Um, and that allowed me to get, you know, in, 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 in the beginning for me, it allowed me to get good enough to where once I didn't want to do that anymore, I didn't have time to do it. They just started to offer me money to get me to stay. And and that's you know that was a really good way for me to foster and build the kind of relationships which I've have led me to where I am now. Um, and so you know once you're good enough at, at at one type of of visual storytelling, whether it's through photography or you know short vignettes on on, on YouTube or YouTube videos or television or whatever, the money is going to come. Um, but it's it's very important to to, to hone those skills. Um, And then, you know, once the jobs do start coming, I think, you know, one of my first mentors would always tell me, no matter what the job is, if you take it, don't half-ass it ever. Give it 120%. Um, And the reason is because this business is primarily a referral business. Um, It's the clients know when you're doing the bare minimum or when you're going above and beyond most of the time. And they appreciate that above and beyond. And so by, by putting forth that effort, they're going to refer you, say, if it's a freelance job, they're going to refer you to other people. Or when other people ask, Hey, who did this for you? They're going to mention your name, where if you're doing the bare minimum, one, the work's probably not going to come out as good. So they're not going to show it off. Oh, absolutely. And two, they, they may not, they may not refer you. They may not recommend you, um, you know and then you know and, and and within that sphere of of doing especially for freelance work cuz i can only really talk um, with any you know confidence in my own industry which is primarily freelance um, cinematography and videography but um you, it one of the things that you got to be careful of is not to overpromise a lot of people promise the moon because to their to their potential client uh, because they are desperate to get the job or they really want to get the job. And while you definitely need to come with some confidence and show off your best foot or put your best foot forward, I should say, you you want to practice under-promising and over-delivering. You want to get the client excited, but you don't want to promise them the stars and only deliver the moon. It's, you know, you literally, the you know, and I call this client management when you get your, you know, first clients or, or, or your continuation of clients. You want to make sure that you're promising a certain thing with the intention of doing better than what you promised. Because at the end of the day, if you deliver a project and you overpromise and under-delivered, they're not going to be happy with it, whereas the exact same project can be delivered. And if you over, if you under promise and over delivered on the project, they're going to be super stoked on you and very excited to, sh- to 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 show off the work, even though it's the same damn project. Um, and and I see this a lot. I see people over promising and and and, and under delivering or not being able to deliver on what they said. And so client management is is very important. Um, and again, that it takes time to develop. You know that 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 foresight of what is good client management so that's something that comes with time but if you can always under promise and over deliver now under promise doesn't mean to lower their expectations it just means to to make sure that you you've got some tricks up your sleeve that you think you can do to make it better than than what they're expecting um, and you keep those secret until the end until the the final delivery right um, yeah and
0: totally
1: and you know making clients happy and 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 you know this whole thing this whole thing about this business being a referral business is you'll build and foster a network by by practicing these things um and so and that's one of the most critical things in this industry is your network is who you know like i said earlier one job led to the next led to the next led to the next to where i am now um you know shooting for that shooting free videos for the magazine company got me in the door with a tv and music video producer who then I worked for and built up a good repertoire, which then got me involved in another individual that I did some um, nonprofit free work for, like feeding the homeless. And that individual introduced me to Dan, Dan Fleshman, who's the youngest um, the youngest person to ever take a company public on the stock market, made like twenty three million when he was nineteen. But he then saw my potential, hired me to do some work for a company that he started called Victory Poker that's how i met dan belzarian that's how i met some other individual uh, producers uh, once that once i uh, that that company went under because of they shut down online poker you know I, I started working for the company that does the biggest videos or the biggest like the biggest event videos in or the biggest they throw the biggest events i should say in hollywood and so i was doing a lot of the playboy match and stuff and met um, a Nat Geo um, director and producer and worked really hard to, to get noticed by him and network with him. And then that led to Discovery Channel and Travel Channel and Nat Geo and all that kind of stuff. And so, again, it's it's building and fostering that network is very important. Um, and, and again, you know, yeah, sure. You, it'd be fun to go out and meet a Nat Geo guy right off the bat and, and get your foot in the door. But oftentimes it doesn't come that way. It, it, it comes organically sometimes and it can come slowly but you just got to keep making sure that everything you put out is the to the best of your abilities you know that whole 120 percent thing um and while at the same time another piece of advice would be to not overextend yourself don't take too many projects on at once because that's a mistake that i think a lot of people make and it's a mistake that i've made um and then you get into a situation where you might consider the project to be good enough to be considered done whereas you know and you start compromising that 120% rule um and so you you don't overextend yourself once you once the work does start coming that's it's easy to take on more and more jobs once when the market's hot and 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 you're hot and so that's you know that's another thing i think that people should recognize
0: yeah totally man all that just like connects with me so well i feel like when we were in um, Bel Air, like shooting with Dan. Yeah. You said over and over everything about under promise over deliver. And man, yeah, I've tried so hard to keep live that out in my life. Cause that is such good advice to anyone. And the thing with like referrals, I've really noticed that already just in this last year, because my trip to Kenya, that was with a guy named JJ Yosh, who was shoot, who was, he's like a TV personality, dude. He won me a shoot his content. He was like, doing something with life straw and then he really liked the stuff i shot for him there and then he had someone who was looking for more uh photographers and drone pilots to shoot this video for an art festival in um tulum mexico and then he asked jj like yo you know anyone good who you know i could use for this and he was like oh yeah i have this guy for you uh david rule you totally need to bring him he's amazing and then that trip led to yeah tristan bringing me on like two other things and then
1: um a lot of my
0: work from those trips is what boosted me on social media like i mean my tulum shots that's like the first thing that really made me start getting big and then um and then locally here i've been you know gaining a lot of stuff through referrals with uh weddings for one thing because i shot just like a friend's wedding video um last summer and then their wedding planner and the venue really liked it and then whenever new people want to book a wedding at that venue or are using this wedding planner and they ask who should we use for a wedding videographer they recommend me now and now like for this summer i i've had to like start turning down weddings or i've had too many people want one on the same day and I'm just getting a ton of work that way. <laughs> and then with real estate, yeah. if you, if actually with real estate, I was just trying to get into it. And I have a friend who's an agent and I just told him, yo, if you ever have any property or anything, you want some real estate photos or short video of, um, let me know. I just want to like get some of that in my portfolio. And then I shot that and then started showing it to other real estate agents. And then like, once I you know, start getting some gigs with a couple shooting some good real estate stuff. Then when other realtors were like, Whoa, who took the pictures of your properties? They'd be like, Oh, David rule. And then they'd contact me. And yeah, it's just like a snowball effect. Like if your work is good, good things will come. And if it's not nothing will come. So
1: yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, and, and as far as like advice um, for people starting out, I I think um, wedding, wedding videos or wedding cinematography is a great avenue for that. Um, I've, I've shot on the side, you know, wedding videos for years, um, just like you did just to kind of fill the time up when I'm in between assignments or gigs from different companies, like larger TV companies and stuff, or when we just wrap up a season of a show or something. And um, one, it's a great way. There's a couple of advantages, I think with, with wedding videos. One Everyone eventually needs media shot for their wedding. Some people can afford more than others, but a lot of people pay for photography and and a lot of people pay for video. And so, you know, a lot, there's a lot, it's a good entry level industry to get involved in. And, and even for me, I was very reluctant for a long time to do wedding videos because I had already done, I'd already done cinematography for TV shows. And, and I really considered it to kind of be a step backwards um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, where different jobs are on the appreciation and, and, and whatever you know ladder you want to consider it to be on. But um, I, I found that even for myself, you know, because I specialize really in run and gun cinematography, so like adventure TV show, adventure documentary stuff, where you oftentimes can't replicate scenarios. You have to shoot a ton of stuff in a very short amount of time. And like I said, you can't oftentimes do a second take of certain things. And I found that weddings are a great way to hone those skills. Um, you know, y- you have to shoot, you know, the first look. You've got to shoot the ceremony. You've got to shoot them getting ready. All those, all those different segments that go into a good wedding video story are oftentimes things that you can't, some of those things, many of them are things that you can't say, Hey, stop. Can I um, just move this angle over? I want to get this. And uh, can you do that again? You know, you can't tell them in the middle of a ceremony to do that. And so it really teaches you how to be quick on your toes um, and when to get really creative and when to stay really safe, just to make sure you get what you need to get. And for those who want to go into documentary filmmaking or run and gun, you know, style television, adventure TV, or, or, or just those kind of segments on Instagram or YouTube or wherever um, wedding, wedding, the wedding uh, video industry, is a great industry to hone those skills. Um, So I think, I think that's, you know, just a valuable piece of advice too, for people looking to get into that style of, of shooting.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Weddings are great. Another, um, Area I'd say beginners should hit is real estate because there's a lot of demand for that. I mean, you know, there's property being sold everywhere. And then real estate's really good because, you know, I feel like a lot of areas where you'd be shooting videos, like maybe, I don't know, promo videos for a startup company or a wedding or something like that, unlike that, realtors normally have, you know, quite a bit of money. Like, you know, if you can effectively sell properties, they'll be making a ton off it and it'll really be a big, like return on investment to have you shoot a video f- for it, so I'd say that's like a really good area to hit. um And then yeah. the other great thing about real estate is unlike a wedding where you have to nail the f- like kiss and you have to nail yeah. the first dance and everything like that, it's like I mean you can do as many mess ups and takes as you want with real estate. Like I mean you know True. sometimes the realtor wants to come with you and follow you follow you around, and then you don't want to waste their time. But you know if you like or like doing a pan through of a room and it's too wobbly, you can, you can redo that like seven times and there's no problem. So that'd be a good little exactly. thing to learn with. But. That is,
1: uh, I agree with you hundred percent. That's definitely one of the advantages to doing uh, real estate as opposed to a live event where you can't recreate certain scenes.
0: Yeah. So moving forward, let's talk about what I'm guessing a lot of people tuned into this podcast for, and that's to talk about your work with Dan Bilzerian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's become quite the uh quite the internationally known character. Yeah, so how uh, is it
0: you like initially knew him cuz you said you were like friends, you know, before he blew up and everything.
1: Yeah, we were actually friends before uh Instagram was even around. Um and so I met Dan in 2010 and I was running a media department for the online poker a company called Victory Poker started by Dan Fleischman. And um, it had a poker team, and it was like the youngest, hottest, most, you know, flamboyant, crazy lifestyle poker players you could imagine. And Dan Bilzerian obviously, was one of them. Um, he was known in the poker industry. Him and his brother did really well in one of the big poker tournaments, and that gained him some notoriety. Um, and he lived a crazy lifestyle. You know, he's he's had a lot of money for a very long time. And so the first time I met physically met dan bilzerian um he actually they wanted to shoot a video like a launch video to launch the company and dan's idea for that um collaborating with dan um, was to blow up an rv he wanted to literally blow up a motorhome by sticking a bunch of propane tanks in it and then using a 50 caliber barrett sniper rifle with incendiary rounds um, to shoot a hole right through the door and puncture as many of the propane tanks as he could and needless to say it was crazy um so when i met him i drove up to this big dirt lot out outside of las vegas and they had this motorhome delivered by a semi and it didn't have an engine in it um, they filled it with propane tanks they spray painted the shit out of it everybody shot you know, shot it up. Well, they actually put the propane tanks afterwards, but they shot, you know, Dan has tons of guns. And so people were shooting with AKs and, and, and AR-15s and pistols and blowing out windows. I mean, just having a good old time, the whole, most of the main team, the poker team came out to do this. Um, and so I recorded the whole thing and the, you know, the the coup de grace to the whole video or the finale was to stick these propane tanks in this motorhome. And Dan, you know, we we backed way up like three good 300 plus yards and got up on this hill and Dan let everybody take a shot. They, you know, painted this huge bullseye on the motorhome um, behind which, you know, behind that wall where the bullseye was painted was the propane tanks. And uh, Dan let everybody take a shot knowing how hard it was to, if you've never shot a 50 caliber, um, you know, Barrett rifle, how hard it is to hit anything. And so, or to hit your target. So everyone, you know, half dozen of the guys took a shot. Nobody could hit anything. Dan basically tells all this to move out of the way, gets on the sniper rifle, his first round that he shoots goes directly through the door where the target was painted on, and all of a sudden you just see all of the windows of the motorhome blow out, all the remaining windows I should say, blow out with this white, this white gas, um, which came from the propane tanks that he punctured, and then the second round he, he put through the door, which, you know, these were basically back-to-back rounds, this happened in a split second. The second round he put through that door ignited everything, and it basically blew the entire roof off in this ginormous forty foot wide fireball that probably went up in the air about a hundred hundred feet. It was insane, and you know nobody really gave much thought to to what they were going to do when after they'd blown up the motorhome. But the motorhome, you know, started to hiss and pop and scream and and all these crazy noises and. And and the fireball was, the heat was so intense even from where we were. And you know we were, I don't know if this was legal by the way, but we were in sight of a freeway, the 5th 15 freeway coming into Vegas. And so everyone starts running for their cars, and uh, and I was almost left there. And, and I got one guy to stay behind and pick me up as as I'm running away from the flames. You know, because I had to run towards the flames to get my cameras. You know that I had set up like GoPros and stuff near the. Uh, the RV to capture different angles. But that was the first time I physically met Dan. And uh, from there, I just was very interested. And so, you know, me and him would cross paths a lot doing interviews and that kind of stuff, uh, creating content media for this company. And we both, we, he found out that I practiced uh, jujitsu and, um, and he was working on his jujitsu as well. And so he, uh, him and I started training martial arts together and uh, and we both enjoyed the UFC fights. And so we would watch the UFC fights together and, and just hang out and, and smoke and, and train and that kind of stuff. And so that's how we became friends. Uh, but after the poker industry kind of shut down, um, and there was a million other crazy stories like the mother home blow up in that time period, but that's for another podcast. Um, But he, you know, he, he we, we kind of all went our separate ways. I went back into making television and 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 got you know pretty good at that and climbing the ladder that that way and uh, we've always kind of stayed in touch I did you know some little one-off videos for him here and there he had moved to San Diego for a year or two and we hung out and that kind of stuff go to each other's birthday parties again he wasn't he just started this is like when he just started to get famous on Instagram um and he was telling me about how you know he was gonna blow up on Instagram and, and and at that time nobody had any idea that you could actually make a living um, you know being an influencer that that term didn't exist back then but you know he was kind of trailblazing a path I'm sure along with a bunch of other individuals like celebrities and that kind of stuff but he uh, started to gain a lot of notoriety and started to make a living off of it and he just kind of got too big and we would hang out but I just I didn't like the attention that he was getting all over the place and so um, we kind of went our separate ways but then um, he started ignite and he started to need people to put out media for him constantly and so i started to do a bunch of instagram videos and ignite videos and photography and that kind of stuff and started shooting for him along with a bunch of others it wasn't just me it was there was a bunch of people doing it but um so we kind of reconnected that way and um yeah we they wanted to start this whole thing called uh they wanted to start this channel on twitch um and uh so they brought me in to do this whole live you know one hour um i think one to two hours we would shoot and it would be i think it was supposed to be one hour um but you know these one hour episodes three times a week and all the cameras needed you know in his house live and we wanted to up the level of production value to which twitch had really never seen before um, and so we had to, you know, work out all the all the technical logistical stuff and all that kind of stuff. But, we, yeah, we hung out and shot a lot. And uh, when we first started the Twitch thing, um, that first day, the first time we ever did a Twitch, I think it was like last is 2019, November 17. I think that was when you were in town. And I said, hey, man, you want to <laughs> you want to see L.A. And in a way you've never, <laughs> you have know, seen you'll never probably see Hollywood and you said yeah and that's uh and that's how you ended up getting involved yeah that, that Twitch over. live
0: stream that yeah that's what i helped you shoot and that was crazy that was it just really like was. i i you know i'm from a town of 2000 people in the middle of wyoming like <laughs> that yeah. was insane here you
1: are here you are in the hollywood hills of bel air at this 80 million dollar 100 million i don't know what how much it's worth I know it's over 80 but a 80 million dollar mansion and and of this guy who's who you'd never heard of by the name of Dan Bilzerian which I thought was hilarious <laughs> and uh, I was like
0: droning it da- dancing with yeah. those like models on the pool like <laughs>
1: oh yeah you were just having a good old time man I love it some people would get starstruck and and, and, and watch every footstep and you were just like this is awesome let's do this yeah I, so I did I, I did get a, st- I liked that a lot about you actually that and that you had never heard of Dan Bilzerian I actually liked you more because
0: <laughs> that yeah I mean I did I made it my goal I was like okay I have to get a selfie with Dan Bilzerian and so I remember oh you had me like writing notes for the shoot or something and I was just sitting like yeah. in his like upstairs little living room area writing notes and then I see him walk by and I'm like oh this is my chance He was like going out to the gym and you had you had showed me those uh videos of him snow machining out near Jackson Snowmobile. and right yeah and so I just went up to him. I was like, oh, hey, Dan, what's up? I'm uh, Trevor's production assistant today. Yeah, he showed me some videos of you uh, snowmobiling in Wyoming. I'm actually from there. And he was just like, yeah, the weather sucks here today. I need to go to Maui. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like, oh, about right. well, you sure wouldn't like Wyoming right now. but. <laughs> um, and then I was just like, hey, can I get a selfie with you? And he was like, I think he just grunted. He was like, "Uh," <laughs> And then... I went and took a selfie and he went on his way and yeah, that was my contact with Zan. Oh, and then
1: another time. He's actually a super nice guy. He loves to give people attitude more for fun than him being a genuine asshole.
0: Oh, Um, gotcha. Okay.
1: I mean, Joe Rogan put it best in one of his interviews um, after meeting, after, after uh, interviewing Dan, it was a, a later interview. He basically said, Dan is one of the most, if not the most brutally honest person you'll ever meet in your entire life. And that is yeah. 100%. No, I, I have like
0: respect for that for sure. Like he doesn't like put on some... There's no
1: filter at all. Yeah, exactly. And And what he says oftentimes is correct. And while be it very harsh in most circumstances, it's not, he's not, he's by far not, he's not very polite at all.
0: Oh, the other funny thing that happened is I remember- we were upstairs uh filming and you asked me to go down to like the game room basement area and go get an extra battery for your sony and then i go down and then i'm coming up the elevator and then i like pop out of the elevator upstairs and then i pop right in front of dan's face and he's like recording an instagram story and then he he's like talking about like the live stream and then at the very end it's just like oh it's this kid again and then it ends right there. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, like all of my friends were DMing me, like, "Dude, you're on Dan's story. Oh, dude, you're on Dan's story." And <laughs> that oh, was yeah. really funny. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, but again, Dan's a very multi-dimensional character, and I think this book he's writing right now is going to reveal a lot of it. So I'm kind of excited to see what he puts in that.
0: Well, sweet. Yeah, maybe in the future. I know at during the um, Valentine's Day party or whatever, you like were like, oh, dude, I totally would have put you on the list. So maybe someday I'll make one of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, those parties are kind of wild. Get to meet some other interesting characters.
0: Yeah, crazy stories with Dan. What a career. Well, anyway, yeah, thanks for podcasting with me today. It's been awesome having you on. Honestly, I feel like this will be one of the more valuable podcasts I do. Like, you are just... Of, like encyclopedia full of like media knowledge so yeah it's been great talking to you
1: thanks man I appreciate that
0: and yeah just like every podcast I end by having you tell your best dad joke so what you got
1: <laughs> dad joke um, so that's something that's not like overly funny but kind of like haha funny right
0: I don't even know yeah sure just, just like something a dad would tell and you're just like oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right, embarrassing right. me like yeah
1: <laughs> sure oh yeah yeah no that makes perfect sense uh okay yeah i got i got i think i heard this recently but uh all right so what's the difference between a snowman and a snowwoman
0: oh snowballs Yes. Yeah! So oh i it. foiled snowballs. your joke <laughs>
1: it's okay i still think it's stupid
0: <laughs> it is stupid that's why it's good it it's so on brand with this podcast
1: there you go there you
0: go. All right. Yeah. Well, any parting words of wisdom for everybody?
1: Um, I think just kind of sticking with the thing that we've been talking about, like, um, make sure you love what it is that you do, especially in this industry, because as we've mentioned, there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And to get through those lows, you better be willing to, to practice and improve your craft, um, especially when no one's paying you, because if you don't, this is going to be a tough a tough, tough not uh, to climb as far as the media industry goes. So just, you know, find what you love or find the niche within the media world that you love, uh, whether it's social media or television, movies, whatever and, and stick with it.
0: Well, awesome. That's some great advice. And uh, be sure to go check out Trevor on Instagram at Adler Studios. He's always posting awesome time lapses and stuff from Dan's place and who even knows you, you post just a little bit of everything so mm-hmm. go check that out uh go you'll, you'll probably see some of his stuff if you watch like travel or discovery or net geo or anything and go check out his series cabin land that looks dope and yeah hopefully i'll get it's up on YouTube. to there sometime yeah. but yeah it's on youtube go look up cabin land and watch that but yeah it's been great having you and we'll see y'all next week bye yeah.